Hello, and welcome to the Magic Hair Realists podcast. This is the 42nd dose, and it's called Uncovering the Treasure. My name is Lindsay Celeste, and I'm making this podcast because I want to share with you some of the treasures I've found in my everyday life, and hopefully some of that magic as I share it with you will inspire and delight and encourage and maybe help you. And this week I'm sharing the treasure of a conversation with Matt Epp. And I'm delighted to share this conversation with you. Uh, Matt Epp is a very special person and I think this is a, a beautiful conversation between two creative people, between two artists. And we talk about a lot of things. We talk about, first I tell the story of how we met, which I think is a pretty fun story. And then Matt plays a song for us, and we talk about following inspiration and this metaphor of like digging around and uncovering things. And we talk about animals, we talk about logistics of living in small spaces and unconventional uh, house setups. And I think throughout it, you'll just there's this uh, like a synergy of of what resonates between us. And I hope that that's um, both fun and inspiring for you all to listen to. I will warn you that uh, the sound quality in different parts is not excellent. It was recorded over Zoom. And because unfortunately, Matt is far away from where I am right now. So we relied on technology and the sound quality does not do justice to especially to the song that Matt played. I still want to share it with you because it's we still you can still get a gist of him as a musician, but it does not do justice to how good a musician he is. And so I really suggest that you find other places to listen to his more well-recorded songs, uh, specifically Bandcamp, and I will put that link in the show notes. I think that's all I have to say before I let you listen in to our conversation. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hi, Matt. Hi, Lindsay. Oh, it's such a pleasure to do this. I was thinking about the sort of like long arc that has led to us getting to talk today. I was feeling really grateful for that. Um, I'd like to just tell the listeners a little bit about you from my perspective. And then I think I'll tell the story of how we met because I think it's kind of cool. And yeah. then um, maybe you can kind of welcome us in with a song. How's that sound? That sounds wonderful. Okay. Yeah. I like the story of how we met too. So <laughs> well, maybe you can tell us. <laughs> Um, so Matt Epp is, I think the first word that comes to mind is a musician, because that's how I, the context I met you in, but my sense of you since then has really broadened where I would say music is your main, or one of the ways you're talented in expressing yourself, but it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like the only thing to me. Um, so Matt is a musician, but also this, this heart of like, 
desiring unity and change. And I mean, activist is one word that might, might get labeled on you. I was actually wondering how you feel about that word, but that you care deeply about issues of the environment and equality and that you're trying to figure out, I guess, actions where the activist word would be that, that can like both spread messages and engage with change and that music is one of the ways you do that. So, um, that, that sounds accurate. <laughs> cool. Yeah. How thoughtful you are about that, um, and I think you can you can sense that perhaps I'm I'm apprehensive about labels in general. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think I'm apprehensive because they see a narrowing, like I like as if it you know if you okay, so you're an activist or you're a musician. Well, then you're not a bunch of other things and. Um, to me, those edges where the like where the labels blur are probably the most exciting. Um, so, yeah, as far as how we met, Matt and I met on a train coming from or going west from Toronto to Vancouver, and I was coming back from a Christmas with my, I guess my partner at the time's parents, my not so in laws. And you were traveling west with your family. I don't even remember why. Um, but the CP in Canada, the national rail system, I don't know if they still do, but at the time they had this deal where musicians could play for the, the passengers and then get their um, passage covered. And there was, a, I think, an audition process or something, like not just anybody can play. Well, yeah, it's via rail. So it's the passenger trains yeah. um, that, and via rents from the national railway. Rents Which does cause some issues. Remember how many times we just had to wait on the side of the, like on a separate track because the freight, tra the freight trains get priority and they have to go first. Right. That's because they're not owned by Canada. Yeah. They're, they're, they're sold off. And so um, if Canada wants to use their own tracks, they're second, secondary. Yeah, so we were we were learning, but we I remember us talking about that a little bit. Yeah, and and the like the time. So I think if it was this special sort of time warp that we met in, because those four days on the train, it's like even the hours just sort of stretched out. Like who knows what time it is? Everybody's stuck in this. So this would have been maybe five years ago. I'm thinking, maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh like the hours stretch out, you don't, you sort of know if it's day or night, you're in some, like Canada's a really big country with lots of space, like, and the, and the train tracks go mostly through the space, like mostly not through towns or any recognizable landmarks. So you're right, just, no Wi-Fi, no phone signal, no, the just, time zones are changing randomly. So you don't so know what time it is, but you're just together with these, you know, I don't know how many people, um, in these very small spaces and yeah. you were playing maybe two or three concerts a day or concert sessions a day yeah. in different parts of the train. Right. And yeah. uh, I felt like a, a groupie because I would figure out where you were going next and then go to the next concert. I mean, granted, I also had nothing else to do, but I also liked your music. <laughs> that was funny, right? I would basically be in the same same boat as you. We'd 
we'd, um, well, us and anyone else that wanted to be as part of that song gathering would wait for the announcement. Then I would be like, okay, that's where I got to go right now. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's the first time that I've experienced like repeated live music with the same person. Mm. And that was really, really special because I got to hear, I'd never heard your music before. Um, but I got to hear your, you singing your songs, very simple, like, you know, living room style, you and your guitar and your harmonica. Yeah. Um, and then I'd get to hear the songs again, like later the day, that day or the next day. And so often I don't get to hear a live song more than once. And I just sort of like these layers came out and like I'd hear other lyrics, I'd start to be able to sing along. And it felt like almost like this is the way music should be shared like not just like one time and we're, mm -hmm. we're through you know and it yeah it really added depth to the the songs and I think I could feel more of you and your personality coming through so it was captivating yeah it was a beautiful thing to share and and to have that also the same like what you're saying it happened for me the same way to have you and um and your partner at the time or or if there was other people that that would show up at you know every like there was days we had yeah. so it, was, it was like you know potentially i could have sang the same song for you like half a dozen times because i would switch them of course i remember testing out new songs yeah. and uh and then getting feedback and you'd be like no i like how you did it two times ago when it yeah. was faster or or, or uh, in a different key, or I, w I remember testing out some things and and really appreciating that, especially because you as a person, um, I could tell you're deeply listening. Mm -hmm. And um, and we don't get too much of that. Um, I'll say it as a blanket statement in Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's kind of a, it's obviously not everybody, but it's definitely not, like the overall culture is is a very kind of a surface listening. Mm. And so over my time making songs, I've definitely tried to cultivate relationships with people that are true listeners. Yeah. Um, because then I actually have, then there's actually an exchange. Wow, I hadn't thought about that from the musician's point of view. Like you, the experience would be richer for you if somebody is is more deeply listening to what you're putting out. and in the in it would also like the there's this like tuning process that happens between what what I put out into the world or you put out and then how it's received but if it's only surfacely received you're actually not getting as like deep or accurate a feedback about what it is you're putting out right right and and there's another level level to it as well I would say that you're not at the surface listener it's not that they're just getting a little bit of what you're offering they're not getting at all what i'm offering <laughs> yeah. in my case because what i'm offering requires a different experience mm -hmm. and so it's it's so you might see a reflection of it's like having a meal uh maybe this won't make sense but it's like cooking a meal and you can give it to somebody who needs to then eat it and have the sensual experience of it, but also it feeds them, right? Mm -hmm. So then a surface listener 
Or maybe um, just like look at the food and not eat it. Might see a picture of it on Instagram. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like there's like you get a slit slice of just one of the very like tertiary senses, like the visual element of it um, isn't isn't the nourishment, which is the primary thing. It's not the pleasure of like the taste. It's not the smell. And it's not even like a fraction of the visual element at all. Mm. You know, it's just a tiny little photo on Instagram, whatever. Yeah. That's what that's what the general musical experience I feel is for a lot of people. But that's not what I offer, you know. So my my offer requires the the listening and also the receptivity. And yeah. partially it needs to be the smell of the meal <laughs> that, that makes somebody want to get hungry and eat it. Yeah. You know, there's that too, right? So I have to make sure it smells good and looks good in order for somebody to want to open up and like consume it in hmm. that way. <laughs> this is getting weird, hey? hey why, don't you, why don't you play us one of these tasty songs? <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope, I hope it, sure. Sure, I hope this this is it would be neat for you to play one like you know not in a fancy recording studio partly because that's how I first encountered your music and I think it's it's like it's sort of solid enough that it doesn't actually need a bunch of fancy stuff around it to be good it's like yeah right well you know what this is um I'm gonna try something that it's so far it's just in my head um, it's my song Birch to Birch, which I've been kind of doing a cappella recently, but or in the last year or so, years, I don't know. I can't even remember. I haven't been playing for so long, except for writing new ones. But uh, I have a feeling of doing this this one faster with the harmonica, so we're going to try that. Cool. And I hope it works out. <laughs> um, Oh, 
That was fun. It was kind of um, when you when you choose to play a song in a different way than you're than you're used to playing it or singing it, um, the whole thing just like becomes a new experience. You're kind of like riding on the edge of the sleigh, you know. And <laughs> you don't know what's under the snow. Or whatever. <laughs> to use the wintry Christmas. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things I love about your songs is these little nuggets of of lyrics. Like there's there's some lines that just like I write poetry sometimes, and like the poetics of them are just like, yeah, like it doesn't even it could stand alone just as a phrase. Um, I know, I'm trying to think what my favorite one in that one was, but even just the the image of like the lines through birch leading us out and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was wondering when you're, do you usually write the lyrics first or the music? Like how do, is there, do you have a process that usually happens or is it different? Yeah, I have a process that usually happens, but it's not always, um, but I've, it's almost like it's usual now because I've cultivated a certain path for my craft mm -hmm. um, and, and to receptivity, I think, mm -hmm. but I would say the, um, like in that case, that one, all the lyrics came first. Okay. And then um, I didn't have music before that. And then, um, so, so I love that when it happens in a poetry kind of way. Hmm. Like, like, so then me and you would have a lot of the same experiences when it comes out that way. And, and I love when poet poems come out and you're just like, well, I have no idea. Sometimes like one, to, like a, a number of times when I'm just trying to figure out how to write something like I want to write. Yeah. The one thing I used to do is I'd take a Bob Dylan uh, lyrics book. Okay. And I would just flip it open to a song that I know less or I can't remember how it goes okay. or it's a, like a buried track. And I would just look at the form, mm. like the, the form and cadence of his, um, the lyrics in those verses. Okay. And then I would just, I would just um, grab an image from that's floating around in my head or my surroundings. Yeah. I would create a poem or just start writing lyrics that fit in that same meter. Huh. And then as soon as I've got that one verse or that one meter, and then it's starting to become completely my thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm just using the form of the syllables, you know, or, yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, 
And I find that he has done a lot of, like he's taken those from old folk songs. He's taken those from things like long in the past. And I'm sort of letting him do the heavy lifting. <laughs> and I'm just taking the format and I'm like, all right, copy paste basically. <laughs> and then close the lyric book and finish. So I've done some songs like that. Mm. And then other songs where um, I'll like open a Beatles uh, chord book and I'll just find some super weird chord that that they came up with or they played in a song and I'll just because I don't really know that much about playing guitar right like about music itself so hmm. um, so I'll come up with some weird chord from the book <laughs> and then I'll base the rest then I'll just like explore musically like what twists in the melody I could do with that wow and um so stuff like that happens, but generally um, it comes kind of like archi like um, like archaeology, where the song exists somewhere and it's sort of like in this um, uh, somewhat metaphysical like landscape. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> my job to be walking around and paying attention. So yeah. I need to be receptive and open. And then when you stumble upon it, it you start recognizing in this non-visual way, um, when you see it, you kind of, you realize that there's something because a corner of something is poking out of the ground. Yeah, and, that's, oh, that's a very good way to describe it. Yeah, right? I can, I can relate to that feeling. And even when it's not, I think I'm encountering it lately, not even with something seemingly tangible that I'm making like not even a poem or a collage but in the I'm forming this sort of large I guess it's like what is my soul going to express itself how is my soul going to express express itself in the world so vocation job whatever like I have the things that I do now but most of those are like those corners poking up where it's like okay, I know that what I'm doing now, like even this podcast say like, okay, that is, it's its own thing, but it's also like the corner of something that I'm exploring, you know, in, in what I'm expressing in these conversations, in the whole feel of it. And I suspect that it's bigger than this, but like what, what shape it actually takes? Like, I have no idea. Maybe it, Maybe it deviates completely from an auditory format and it goes like another total direction. Or maybe it, maybe it's fair, like only stays this big. Oh, I like, love that. Like I, but you start to get this sense of like, oh, this is important and important in kind of like a soul expression sense. But I'm also, it's also a matter of not being, to me, the, the creative process of that discovery is also not being attached to the form it currently has because if you are super attached to its current expression or like to the one line you start off with say in the song it might be that that one line is only the corner and by the time you've shaped the whole thing that line is gone right or like right. or that my current like maybe the podcast is gone but the thing it was leading towards and is something else so it's like this and to me that process of like the sensing and uncovering mm. is is like a skill and like a 
almost like a yes sense, like a, another way of navigating that I want to get very good at. Um, yeah, I, think. I can tell it's growing over the years. Like my my attunement on that is better. Like I can, I do less things that don't fit and more things that do fit. Um, and I think some of it, you only find that out by exploration, like by by poking around a bunch and digging for a bunch of things that are garbage. <laughs> um, but it's it's endlessly interesting and something I really want to develop. So I love that imagery. I've never thought of it that way. It's so good. Well, you you uh, you've explored it in a way where it where it uh, enlightened it for me as well because um, here I'm thinking the the thing is the thing exists, right? And and our craft, regardless of if it's for me, the songwriting or you poetry or, or um, podcasting and the exploration and the sleuthing <laughs> and is, you know, is the craft is, is the uncovering of the thing, whatever it is, right? So I think about it where you need to stay in this spiritually receptive place and like we were talking about, and you explore and you explore. And sometimes this, let's say that our podcast, our conversation is kind of a little of both. It's the exploration and walking together and trying to, you know, be open for those clues that lead us to some greater truth. Yeah. Um, and it's also the craft. Yeah. It's also us committing to a time and place um, and, and pressing record on this, or it's showing up at the page and and being like okay i was in my magical place before and i received this thing and now it's like the practicality you know yeah. now it's sitting down and doing the work like it's hard to write a song you know i gotta play this guitar and i gotta at the same time i've got to be telling the critic and all those critical voices and <laughs> judges and like the person and like the voice that's like is this going to make you some money because you don't have any money? Like you, should you be really spending time on this right now? Mm. Or should you be trying to do some like paperwork that could eventually lead to something? Uh, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a, uh, it's a really weird thing, but that's what the craft is. That's when you get into the archeology span where you're just like sitting there with a brush, trying not to break the thing. Yeah. That's, oh. Oh. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is that it's the reverence that allows you to take all that time to uncover the song. Mm -hmm. For me, that's my experience, you know, and um, but I know that you asked this question like a little while ago, but I but I also want to share with you some my my usual songwriting in the last couple of years, especially during COVID. Yeah. Um, what I've decided to do is um, is to do these song a day weeks. Yeah. So, so I would pick another person. I mean, my, in this case, the last three times I've done this with uh, my friend, Nora, Nora Kotkis, she's this young lady that's like a brilliant person, a great friend, and also this beautiful singer mm. and, and writer herself. Um, but we started, she was 17. I'm good friends with her mom and and basically she started writing songs with me, those, those song challenge weeks. Great. Where, where you have to start and finish and record. Wow. A song every day. Great. You know, so 
Like so I the critics have less time to catch up. <laughs> yeah, you you have to kick them right out of the room. Exactly. And you can't go in back and listen to your neck your song the next day either because you you're busy. You got to like channel something else. Mm. And so it's beautiful. Um, and in fact, I'm so grateful to her because um, I was just trying to tell her, like encourage her how to uh, write write mm. songs and get get to it and how to get past that judge. And so she said, "Okay, I'll do that if you do it." Uh, yeah. And I hadn't been exactly right. So I hadn't been writing songs because the last years had been um, sad years in my life. And so I had been writing too many sad songs. And every time I picked up the guitar, sad songs would come out. Mm. So I quit uh, writing until my life was going to change. And then I was going to get back to it later mm. when they, they weren't so sad. <laughs> So, um, so I'm so grateful to Nora because she um, encouraged me to get back into the writing, mm. and th and also it was a it was a dark period of the pandemic at the beginning, and it was winter, and um, and it just forced me to jump back in without thinking about it too much, yeah, and, and, and keeping it lighter, you know, mm. and so uh, I'm so grateful because otherwise I wouldn't have. Um, I got a new record coming out and um, it's been finished for a while. And it was like songs that came from those song challenges with her. Oh, you know? great. Oh, I can't yeah. wait to hear it. Yeah, thanks. Mm. But anyway, yeah, so those those song a day challenges have been really good for me because, um, you know, you just have fun and you just something comes through and you don't even know if it's good or not good. Mm -hmm. You're just making you're just making it up. And it hasn't, it's not as profound, you know, <laughs> until later on, you, then the things like sitting there on the counter twitching, <laughs> you know, and you're like, well, where'd you come from? Oh yeah, right. We, that happened the other that day. That was Thursday. <laughs> yeah, that was Thursday. But it is weird. Like after those song challenge weeks, you're just in a process of like, just you open up, you don't judge, you're not even really looking at it the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then after the week, you go back and look at your songs and you're like, oh my God, these, these felt like I was just making it up for just for practicing the craft. But really what it did is it went in and took all the stuff that subconsciously your heart's been wrestling with. Mm -hmm. And it brought it out in some kind of way that you couldn't have expected. It's so fun. Huh. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. You could do that with uh, poetry as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's inspiring. I remember doing a poem a day for a month when I lived on the sailboat. And wow. yeah, some of the the poems from that I, I still love. It's like they, yeah, they're kind of like sneaky in a good way. You know, they kind of just, I, I can relate to that feeling of like, Oh, where'd you come from? Like, how did, like, I, it's almost like a little rodent that gets in when the doors open. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it was something um, that came through Julia Cameron's artist's way. Mm -hmm. Perhaps there was a quote in there or maybe, or maybe it was part of her prayer kind of to the uh, creator. I'm not sure exactly, but I remember, or maybe it was Bob Dylan, who knows, <laughs> but <laughs> Um, the idea where like, um, you know, the creator would be saying, 
you take care of the quantity, I'll take care of the quality. Mm. I just remember that being, and, and kind of like, I remember Dylan also talking about, um, you know, I'm just holding up my end of the bargain. Mm. By when he's asked why he still continues going, he's like, you know, he made a deal and he's holding up his end of the bargain. Mm. And I kind of feel like there's something in both of those things that speak to this where, um, you are taking these things from somewhere else. They're coming through and that's a really profound honor and it's a responsibility. Um, so that's what I am reminded of every time I like don't have money or don't know where, the, you know, the, the basic needs are going to come from and all that stuff. It's, um, or it just gets hard, you know, cause the music industry is, is full of snakes, man. <laughs> like it's, it's not a nice place. And, and, as much as you know artists are meant to be the leaders in in culture and and the deeper thinkers it's um a lot of people are just looking out for themselves you know and so and so um in the face of all that stuff which isn't that beautiful of an environment for a for a heart like mine mm -hmm. um and a sensitive and earnest person it's it's also my responsibility that comes with this gift and with this ability to do this, that keeps me going. Yeah. You know, because I know that if I do the song a day challenge for myself, I know that what I'm doing is I'm creating an environment that that other stuff, that other really wise truth, whatever it is, you know, the spirit that needs to talk to the people that are freaking, you know, um it can come through and and then it's not my job again you know like my job is to take the song record the song and make it available but yeah. i'm not i can't i can't spread the song yeah you know um so there's only this one little bit that i'm responsible for i've talked with other artists about that interesting kind of like the the second life that our creations have in how they like they go out into the world and then have this other life of their own in both like how they spread how people share them what how people experience them and there's like a letting go of like I wonder when when and how and what this this is going to go off and do you know, I was thinking of your album Shadowlands which would be from that sad era and how how I have memories around that album like I I was listening to it in the the kind of like pre-dissolving of my relationship and life at the time and it speaks to that and so there's like it's amazing to me that when it's almost like these these true heartfelt storylines we are really not alone in them. And so when something comes from that, like you have your experience, which I only know in very broad strokes, but I know the songs that came from that. And then I hear the songs, which are, you know, very different metaphors or like technical circumstances than the one I'm going through, but something of the heart chords are the same. And so it speaks to me 
And then I have my own experience with the songs. Like I have memories of the certain road that I would drive with the CD in the, in the truck. And I could only listen to it on parts of the road because some parts were so bumpy, the CD would skip too much. So there would be like the section where I could listen to the CDs and then the section where I had to switch to the cassettes. And I listen to it now and I'm, I'm taken back to that, like those roads and that era. And it's like, it's amazing to me that something you make, like I'm one of the listeners who has that another story of my own with your, with your creation, but that's going out everywhere. And then there's like this intertwining. I mean, you were talking about how some of Bob Dylan's music, you like, you are now interacting with and it's weaving into your story. And it feels like the, I don't know if it's like a layer of reality or like it, it almost feels like it's a frequency or a place. I don't know how to talk about it, but that all that sort of like the muses and the heartfelt stuff and the soul growth and all these things are like, they're all weaving together. And to participate in that, in the creative process, like I think it's working on you as, as the musician creator, but it's also like, like maybe the reason the song has to come out is because of the somebody else driving on a dirt road who needs it. But that's like, could be three years from now. Like the whole thing doesn't, doesn't have like the linear logic that some other stuff does. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, you know, what struck me is when you were describing that, I was, I was thinking, um, you know how human beings, you know, we, we kind of have this, well, we almost take it for granted, this idea that we're, we're like the most intelligent, right? <laughs> but yeah. think we about like that idea quite a lot. <laughs> we like that idea. Um, but it's so funny because listen to us exploring these ideas and we're like, well, isn't it kind of like this? And, and I just imagine like a turtle just inherently knows all of this stuff. There's no confusion. Yeah. You know? Or like a whales, like the way they're communicating all the time. They're like, yeah. well, duh. Like, yeah. yeah, right. Where you guys need words? Like where, what, what kind of unadvanced yeah. level are you on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need to have my words. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're articulate and thoughtful and um and of course we're always exploring these ideas but isn't it funny that i was just imagining the animals are probably looking at us like why do we, why are you why are they so confused <laughs> like it's the only species that that damages them like basically uh damages their own environment so they can't thrive or live they're not happy they're like yeah. just um you know always talking about stuff that's like super you know, just overthinking everything. I mean, that's me um, for sure. But it it just struck me as something funny because um, of just like what you were describing, the different layers of things and how it's not linear. And, and the fact that we even have to talk about these things mm. and that we don't understand how everything is connected. Mm-hmm. Or if we do, it's like we're just following a clue. And it's like, Lindsay, isn't it crazy? Can you see how everything is connected (laughs) oh man right and it's like i love the thought of the animals just like knowing that already and and we're like the last to the party (laughs) right well that i think that that's what's happening not just happening but i think that that's what is you know and we and we're we're 
we think we're so smart because we can make rockets and whatever and um and stuff like that and the technology but but it, we've removed ourselves from everything in order to do that mm. and it's it's so short short-sighted you know what i mean mm. um but i just love how i love how the creative and open mind and heart and spirit leads us leads us back into that connection right and i I'm think curious, that, i was thinking of asking about um because that sort of leads us towards like land water like environmental concerns which i know are really dear to your heart and mine and i was wondering if there was has that always felt linked to you has that always been something you cared about or was there a time in your life where or an experience where that like connection to the natural like animal plants places where that became something like more in your direct experience no i, I always i always that's when i was a kid um i mean like many kids that was where i felt that's where I felt the connection. That's where I felt God, you know, mm. was, was there, but it was t also taken for granted. Like I also, we also come up in this culture where the divorce is real. Like the, the, um, the fear of nature is also a thing because yeah. it's something separate. Yeah. And so, and so that's definitely been a journey for me. Like there's been times in my life where it wasn't really on my mind, you know, like where I'd, where I'd flick a cigarette butt in the ground and like, um, or, or, or even like in a pristine lake, you know what I mean? Mm. Like I'd be out fish. I remember that. I remember thinking about it being like, that doesn't feel right. But I remember I've done it. Mm. Like when I was really young, you know, not really young. I wasn't, <laughs> I was smoking cigarettes and, you know, mid twenties or something, but I remember early twenties maybe. Um, and I, the, and some experiences just with where I, where I felt this separation, even though I was immersed in it, you know? Mm. Um, but I think, I think that that all helped me later on the, uh, the separation from things like, like I remember when I was um, a couple of years ago, I started studying animal communication, which is like a telepathy kind of thing. Wonderful. And the woman that was instructing me um, and coaching me into it, she said, okay, do you have any, do you have any things in your life, like things that you've done basically to animals that we need to clear up in the spiritual realm? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> to go and i go back and 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 apologize not only apologize but like uh confront again you know and and basically do some some energy healing or however that works um and to bring those stories up and i remember a few things mm. you know where like there was a chickadee and a and a mouse and a turtle in my and a squirrel in my stories or a, or a chipmunk or something like that um just the casualties of being a young kid or a young person um and so, sort of exploring how i felt about things and the sadness and the the conflict that came from some of these interactions 
So I guess long, that's a long story to a, a short question, but um, I think it's just naturally coming as it's supposed to. Yeah. The realization of our connection to everything and how we are each other and, and um, all the things that the birds know already, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I, I also wanted to touch on the, we have a shared um, unconventional living setups. And uh, so I live in a trailer in the, in the woods. And I noticed that one of the things I like about not living in a full big house is that I feel a little bit more like an animal. Like I feel a little bit more like I live in a, I think I, it's more of like, a, if I was like a hermit crab, like the shell fits me better, you know, like it's yeah. more like a human sized habitation. Um, oh, that's so beautiful. Because I love that idea. I really believe that most of our houses are too big a size for humans. Like they, especially like maybe if you had a family of 12, they'd be the right size, but yeah. there's like, they're just way too big for our humanness and and so we fill them with like too much stuff and and we fill them with obligations and debt and all this stuff to try and like account for the too big ofness. Um, so I I really like the feeling of my house being more sized to my even to my body. Like I can, you know, I can just reach everything in it pretty easily <laughs> without like walking too far. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, so also, it, it's big enough that I've lived in spots that were too small where like I couldn't like I couldn't do yoga in my own house and now I like that I can stretch out um yeah that's that's I think it connects me more to my animal body and even to things like temperature and seasons like my house is a very different experience in the winter than in the summer whereas if it was completely climate controlled with you know a heat pump and ac it's almost like there's no climate inside the house. <laughs> and right. um, I like what that does to my psyche as a, as a human animal, even though it's, it's seemingly like inconvenient sometimes. I think it, it's quite grounding for me. And I was just wondering if you have any experiences like that in, in your living situation. Well, I'm comfortable I, I, sharing. Sometimes it feels too personal, but. Yeah, no, I'm happy to share. And I love how you just put that. That was that's so um, so inspiring. How how you talked about like the hermit crab and at the different points in its life as it grows needs a different shape. And of course, yeah. we can put that like uh, in in another way as well. In just the spaces that we need at different times, not just the sizes of them. Totally. And there may mm-hmm. come a time when I when a full house is the right size of shell for me. Yeah. But it's knowing those times and being able to not just take what our culture tells us is the right thing to have. Right. Yeah. Well, I know that you um, you and I share that definitely, not only the unconventional physical uh, homes that we have, but also just the thoughtful process of like questioning, <laughs> yeah. especially what a, what a sick culture is telling us is the norm. Yeah. And I don't mind calling it a sick culture because I think that I think we all know um, that we're super sick collectively. And you mean like unhealthy? You don't mean like skateboard or cool, right? 
<laughs> right. Okay. That wasn't skateboard language, although I used to be a skateboarder. Um, and, and, so you mean like an unhealthy culture? Unhealthy, yeah, ill. Oh, no, wait, you could use ill the other way, too. <laughs> um, unhealthy, that's right. And so I live in a, I live in a van, um, one of those sprinter, those, those cargo vans. And, um, and so at the beginning of COVID, it had been my plan to do this already, but I bought a used sprinter and started learning how to build it. And so I, and so in that space, kind of like how you described, I had the limits to the space. I couldn't decide how big it was going to be. Yeah except for that I picked the van that was tall enough for me to stand upright upright. Yeah. Um, but then I, I slowly, I lived in it as I built it. So I, I decided with really good intention, um, where my arm needed to go, where my, where my head needed to go, how long long I was going to sleep, like all of the reaching things. And like, so I got to take that space and really make it, comfortable and fit for me but um but well there's so many things i want to say (laughs) um exactly what you said about the climate stuff i love that i feel the senses like this the 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 seasons i mean um the humidity and the you know when it's cold it's cold Mm -hmm. when it's when it's um summer and and i can have the breeze go through there and and cool off and like i've i've got a little bit of control right a little bit of heat and a little bit of exhaust and fan and like stuff like that but um it to me it's kind of like riding a motorcycle instead of a car Mm. um which which is why that's been so much of a draw for me as well yeah because you feel a little bit more immediate and a little bit less insulated yeah, because you can you you feel like you're you feel like you're really covering the ground in a different way. Like you can smell the plants, and you can you know if you're on a motorcycle, you can hear the birds even through the sound of the wind and the earplugs and the yeah. helmet. You can still hear birds. You can hear you can feel every dip in temperature, every humid pocket, yeah. um, the smells of everything, and and so it's kind of like living in the van or a tiny home where where you can you're in touch with your surroundings and you do feel like more of an animal you know your base things you're like i need to cover up because i'm cold or um it it, you know and living with less like the things that you need rather than just like filling a space Mm -hmm. um the other thing i wanted to say is that i'm looking forward to very much um my next stage of living in addition to the van like finding um a place in the bush where i can build a tree house or a tiny cabin or something and then choosing the size um that like you said like i can't stretch i couldn't do yoga in my van Mm -hmm. um you know what i mean so there's certain things like that that I would like to have some space on on the land and also for the groundedness. Yeah, totally. Of course, the van is on rubber tires and you're not connected to the earth. Yeah. And so that's something I really want to do is is have more of that energetic exchange with the planet like we're like we're meant to have mm-hmm. to reduce inflammation and, and unhealthiness inside of our bodies too, you know. Mm-hmm. 
<sighs> I think we might land it there. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've covered a, a covered. That sounds like we were conquering it. Oh, <laughs> we've uncovered. <laughs> yes, there we go. We've uncovered a lot. <laughs> we've uncovered a lot. Yeah. Um, but I did want to share with people if they um, wanted to hear more of your music or also that you have a podcast, um, which right. is called Drinking the Water, uh, right. which, which I got to say, when new. I heard the title, I thought it, it reminded me of the phrase like drinking the Kool-Aid. And then right. I thought it was funny because it's like, you, you do want people to drink the water as in like actually drink water and think about where your water comes from and be like, be like caught up in the, um, like in that, in those notions and like have their whole world turned around by thinking about water. Um, but not all your podcasts talk about water. Uh, I love that. <laughs> it's just this organic, I mean, like this conversation, it's like two people with a glass of water, you know, just talking until the water runs out. And yeah, uh, I've really appreciated listening to those conversations with with people in your in your world and yeah I was wondering wh where where's your as a some as a musician navigating the strange world of shared music when there's no concerts where do you prefer that people start listening to your music on like what's your favorite way for them to connect with you or hear your stuff well thank you for that question um it is a, it is a difficult one in that way because because of course we prefer to do these things together in in shared spaces with our with our bodies in the same place you know mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. uh, it, it's filled with it's filled with compromise now because everything's digital and there's even with recordings um, I think by the time you get it to Spotify it's it's like maybe two or three percent of the digital information. Mm. is remaining wow. from the recording yeah so it's it's very 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 thin and and the quality is very low and so it it's hard to transmit what you're really trying to do yeah however um so so yeah this digital era is a little tough but i think Bandcamp is my favorite because um so mattep.bandcamp.com is my page and so on that page i have my whole back catalog um, all the files that you can listen to there are the highest quality that i could that i'm able to share mm. so they're high quality waves and they're also for sale there so nice. people can can actually um support me in that way because of course it costs thousands of dollars to make records um, and pay musicians and like the mixing and mastering and all the rest of it. Um, but of course, Spotify doesn't pay the artists. They, they lie about that. And so it's, uh, you know, it's the way it is right now, but, but, uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, the only way that money comes back would be mm -hmm. is if somebody cared to buy them. Uh, otherwise, Otherwise, I'm happy for people to listen and just take it into their lives. That's the offer. That's mm -hmm. the offering, you know. Great. Thank you for explaining that. And yeah. 
uh, yeah, I'll put a, I'll put a note about that in the show notes so people can find it more easily. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that's why I like Bandcamp is that there's, there's more there, you know, mm, Spotify, yeah. there's less. And, um, and so it's nice to share everything with everyone. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing this time with me and yeah, your insights and your music. I'm really delighted we could talk today. So thanks, Matt. Well, me too. Thank you so much, Lindsay. It's it's a pleasure to talk with you again and um, and also uh, really looking forward to seeing the magic cape. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> That's the teaser. I'm making that a magic cape. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I just found, so I think I mentioned to you before, I. Uh, like I, I sort of, it's like the uncovering actually when, with the magic capes, I am uncovering like where the fabric comes from. It's mostly all upcycled fabric and, and like the inspiration of what shape and designs it should have. And I am not in a rush with it thing. I hope you aren't either. And so there's, there's like this, just sort of waiting for the next piece and I, I found the liner for it. It's going to, like, I told you it was mostly sort of denim jean on the outside. And I didn't know whether it would be lined or not until I found this fabric, which is, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's playful and it's, it's got like, yeah, it's soft and it's going to be the liner for it. So I've got that now and it's going to change a bit of the design, but be even cozier. So you can wear it any time of year. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's so exciting. No, I, I, I'm really excited. I was like, I don't know if you, if you want me to talk about that at all. So oh, no, it's all good. Forward. I Hopefully love it'll, it. inspire I some, it'll inspire some other cape in the future. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, I'm going to say yeah, the uh, recording farewell. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Okay, I'm back just to say thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed that conversation and to remind you that to find much better sound quality recordings of Matt playing playing songs, please go to his Bandcamp site, which I will put in the show notes so you can listen to him. Really, if you get a chance to listen to him live, that is the best, but in the meantime, uh, check out Bandcamp to hear his songs there. And I'll also put the link to my Instagram and his Instagram if you want to say hello that way. We'd love to hear from you. And you can also check out my website, magicforrealists.ca, if you want more info or say hello that way. Yeah, um, I hope you're well where you are and that you discover some magic in the real world this week. Thanks for listening.